Now let's begin. Star Trek podcast. I'm your host. My name is Chris Lockhart, and I am joined by the crew of Trek 1701. In no particular order, uh, Richard, how are you? Doing fantastic. It's been a minute since we've done this, but I'm uh, I'm ready to close out season four of Enterprise. Excellent. Yes, that is Richard Zabo uh, on the line. And next up, we have Curtis Holloway. How's it going, Curtis? Fantastic. How are you, Chris? I'm good. I'm, I'm doing good. And last but not least, we have Ragnar on the line. How's it going, Ragnar? Well, it's going all right, and hello out there, everyone. So, yeah, we were talking uh, just prior to recording. The last time we record, like, I thought we did a Trek 1 sort of 1 since we've done Enterprise, but maybe we haven't. Uh, I'm drawing a blank there, but... Um... Yeah, it's been it's been a while. We had a filler somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah, I thought we did, but uh, I don't seem to see it. But anyway, uh, yeah. So Trek One Seven Zero One is back. Um, we got all our our schedules aligned, and uh, yeah, it's just been been crazy. Like uh, between everything opening up and you know life getting back to normal. Um, and then, like, for me, the Oilers making the playoffs, that was, like, it's cool. Like, I wasn't expecting them to go as far as they have. I don't th- I think they won't be going past this round, but, you know, I, I, I'd be happy to be Hello? wrong. Three, three losses in a row, that's hard to come back from. So, it's not impossible, but it's almost impossible, I think. Um... So, yeah, it, it, it's been a while since uh, we've gotten together on Trek 1701. Uh, so, anyway, our next episode... Well, this episode, we're talking about Enterprise Season 4.5. Uh, and then we're going to start something for the summer months. I'm just trying to look for that information here. Um, where we are going to be... Oh, yeah, this is it. Uh, my idea going for the next four episodes for, you know go to take us through the summer is is what I'm calling Star Trek summer three view so what we're gonna do is we're gonna pick three episodes from different Star Trek series for everyone to watch on Netflix or, or crave because we're in Canada here then we will discuss them and we're gonna try and pick episodes that we enjoy but might not te- exactly be on the top five or top ten lists uh, so I'll be going first so I'm just I'm just um, throwing this out there for the listeners if they want to watch these episodes so they can uh uh when they're listening they can follow along with us 
my, the three episodes I picked from three different Star Trek series is the episode Remember Me from Star Trek The Next Generation Season 4. It's the it's the Dr. Crusher episode. Probably my favorite Dr. Crusher episode. Um, and then another episode I picked was the Doomsday Machine from Star Trek The Original Series uh, Season 2. Ooh, oh, gee. And then, last but not least, Necessary Evil. It is a Deep Space Nine Season 2 episode. Uh, so, dear listener, uh, those are the... Be- hey, is Deep Space Nine any good? I never watched it. Uh, it it's alright. It's alright. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't like it. But yeah, you know, dear listener, if you want to partake in our reviews, that's uh, what we're going to do. And then next episode... Uh, uh, one of the other boys will have three different uh, episodes for us to watch, and then we'll just keep going forward uh, through the summer. All right, well, for this episode, we're finally getting around to finishing discussing Enterprise Season 4. So we left off, uh, I just got to look at my notes here. I believe we left off with the episode The Observer Effect. Um, uh, so that was... The Organians test the Enterprise crew by observing their reactions to a deadly silicon-based virus. So the next episode is episode 88 of the series, 12th of the season, and that's Babel 1. Original air date, or sorry, the date that this episode takes place is November 12th, 2154, directed by David Strayton, uh, and written by Mike Sussman and Andre Bormanis. Original air date, January 28th, 2005. Andorians threaten war on the Tellarites after apparently being attacked by a Tellarite vessel en route to trade talks. Um, so this is part one of the three-part uh, episode arc involving uh, a plot by the Romulans to create a war. Um, so this is the, the ship that can, you know, look like any other ship and, and, uh, and so on and so forth. Um, so, uh, I, I really enjoy this episode. Uh, this, uh, you know, Jeffrey Combs is on here. Um, Brian Thompson, um, you guys, you might remember him as being the alien bounty hunter from the X-Files. Um, he's also been on a number of, yeah, yeah, that, that's how I best know him, but I mean, he's been in everything. I mean, he was in the original Terminator. Um, he, uh, his was on a deep space nine episode. He was, he's been a Klingon on TNG. He's been all over the place. um, He's he's deceased now, right? He died, uh. Oh, I, years ago, I think. Uh, I'll just. I'll I have no idea about that. He's fairly fairly young. No, he no. It shows he's still alive. Um, oh, okay. I must think of someone else. Brian, his he name was is... in all this stuff in the '90s, and then like the '90s and early 2000s, and then he, I don't know, just stopped being and stuff. <laughs> you, I still see him in the occasional thing. I think. Yeah, like for example, okay. uh, um, he was in Night Rider for an ep- like he's one of those guys that guest stars on everything. So he was on Night Rider. He was uh, on the Klingon. He was Klingon officer Clag in uh, the season two episode of Matter of a Matter of Honor. He was in uh, Alien Nation, the TV that was show. A great 
Uh, he was in a, a Deep Space Nine, The Rules of Acquisition, uh, The X-Files. He was, for nine episodes, he was the alien bounty hunter. Uh, oh, he was on the Deep Space Nine episode to the death. He was Tomontorok. He was the one that yeah, uh, right. got his uh, neck snapped uh, for disobeying orders. Oh, that, that's right. He was uh, he was a Jem'Hadar, and he was also in the 1986 classic Cobra with Sylvester Stallone. I was just thinking about that. Oh, yeah? Oh, that's yep. awesome. And he was in a movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme. Man, literally, guy has been in so much. And Mortal Kombat. Yeah, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Hell yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, he was on the Alienation film as well. Uh, yeah, The Terminator. Um, oh yeah, he was on Star Trek Generations. He was one, the Klingon helmsman on Larson Bator's ship. I forgot about that. Yeah, this guy's like been in everything. Um, most recently he was on NCIS Los Angeles in 2021. And he was also on the Orville for an episode in 2017. Um, okay, that's sweet. Uh, so yeah, have to be, (laughs) he's been on every other Star Trek series. Why not the Orville? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. pretty much. Uh, oh, go ahead. I realized this, but there's, uh, a parody, I would imagine, of the Expendables called the Extendables that he is in and or directs. We have to check that out. Cool, awesome. Um, this is also the episode. I really like this episode because this is the episode when Tucker and Reed were on the ship, um, and then they get stuck on it, um, and they're and they're trying to make their way to the bridge. And you think that the Admiral and the and the Romulans are on the bridge, but they're actually not. It's being re- controlled remotely from Romulus. Um, it was such a cool ending. I really like that. Um, great start to a, a great three-parter, in my opinion. Uh, Richard, your thoughts? I really like this one, actually. I'm a big fan of this whole arc. Um, I love the Romulans. And the ship itself, the drone, is just, it's kind of badass in that it's super powerful, it's fast, maneuverable, and it has a holographic uh, generator to, you know, um, try to be any other ship that they've already scanned, which is really cool. And the only way, like, to get through that is, you know, scanning their power signature, but most races maybe don't do that, and they assume that because it looks like the Enterprise, or it looks like a, you know, um an Imperial Guard ship that it was. And the guy that plays um, the Admiral, Brian Thompson, he does it really well. He's just like stone cold, just like get it done. You know, Mm -hmm. he's very good at what he does. Um, I don't, like, I understand, you know, the usage of the Enar in in the way that they did. I mean, I don't don't care for it, but, you know, you need a powerful telepath or something like that. Yeah. And, um, we didn't get to see much of his face. His name's uh, Garib, but he was he was pretty cool. I like the character. But yeah, um, great episode. Definitely on on my watch list every time. Like this is an important arc, I think, for Enterprise season four. Excellent. And I just wanted to throw in there as well. Um, I haven't like I've only watched the first episode, 
uh, so far. Uh, the new Star Trek series, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. Um, but one of their main, I think their chief engineer, or one of the characters on the show is, I'm, like I said, I only watched the first episode and he wasn't on it. Uh, there's going to be an Anar on the show, and it's played by a, an actor from Calgary, um, who I believe is legally blind. Um, so anyway, that, I, I just thought that was kind of a cool connection. Again, I haven't seen it, so, um, but one day I will, I will check it out. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts. I don't have a lot to add that Richard didn't already cover. I mean, it's a great, uh, great kickoff point for a three-parter that is really difficult to talk about with yep. just the first episode. So I might have more to say as we go on. But yeah, uh, I, I love this three-part series. Um, for me, it's the highlight of the the second half of season four, which uh, I'll be honest, after this three-parter, it doesn't get that much more exciting. Right. And Ragnar, your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think I think Curtis is right. I, I think this is kind of the highlight of season four, these three episodes. And, and the episodes that follow, while not bad, are not quite as exciting as this little trilogy. And, of course, the finale is... Well, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> yeah, I think... So, yeah, great episode. And, yeah. I think this three-parter definitely could have worked as like a season le leading up to a season finale had they, you know, got a fifth season. You know, I think these, yeah, this what this felt like a, you know, a penultimate, penul penultimate episodes. Um, yeah. Uh, Chris, though, I was just going to ask you, um, the Orville, is it on anything we can watch in Canada? Yeah, it's on if you, it's on Disney Plus. It's on the star, yeah, part, dude. The star part of Disney Plus. Oh, okay, sweet. Yeah, not to be confused with right. stars. It's just star, no Z. Okay, but uh, okay, yeah, it, it just showed up there recently. Yeah, it it came out Thursday, I want to say, and and uh, yeah, it was good. It was a good first episode. Cool. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, one uh, of our gonna... listeners is actually highly recommending it to me right now. Um, she sent me a clip, and I had a look. And it, it looks honestly like what I've been wanting to see on a starship for mm -hmm. the last, you know, decade and a half of drought that we've had. It's, Curtis, I'm very you, excited. Did you watch seasons one and two yet? No, I haven't seen any of the Orville Oh, yet. dude, it's awesome. It's, it's, I, it's, I know, I've just been waiting until it just, was on something that I had. <laughs> it's like, it's like mid-2000, pardon me. It's like mid-2000s-era Star Trek, but with a sense of humor. That's exactly the read I got from the, like, six-minute clip I watched. I'm very excited to watch it. Oh, dude, it's awesome. It's so great. It's it. It's the best Star Trek since Enterprise, because all the other ones kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah. It, I got a quick question about Disney Plus and Star. Is Star, like, an additional paid service, or is it part of your Disney Plus package? I believe it's part of it. Like, if you go on Disney Plus, like, they separate it. Like, there's the Star Wars section, Marvel section, National Geographic, and then, like, Star will be on there. You just click on Star, and then Excellent. It, it'll be there. Sweet. Yeah, it's it's not like um, Prime where you have to subscribe to ten billion channels to actually right. watch everything. It's, it's just it's all there. Yeah. 
I hate that Amazon's tagline is it's all included, and then all it is is a million different add-ons that you have to pay for. Yeah, yeah. I hate that. Um, and it's sad because I want to watch something on BritBox, but you got to pay extra for BritBox on Prime. But I'm like, man, yeah, damn, man, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Um, so Curtis, just real quickly on a quick tangent mm-hmm. with the Orville, the first, like, I mean, there's a lot of great Star Trek guest stars on here, um, like Robert Picardo, I know was on. At least one episode, maybe two episodes. Um, Which is fair play because Seth MacFarlane is in an episode coming up that we'll talk yeah. about. And oh, the, the, I can't remember the actor's name. The guy who plays Phlox, he's in it. He's in the Orville for an episode. Billingsley, well. yeah. John, John Billingsley. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who um, will be in Vulcan this year? Yes. Unfortunately, yeah, I'm gonna miss him. I, I was I was looking forward to that too. But uh, but. But I I was gonna say with the Orville, it originally the first two seasons aired on Fox, right? So when Fox agreed to do it, they wanted Seth MacFarlane to uh, put you know like Family Guy type humor into the show, and he did, uh. he did, but it's not what he wanted to do. He just want, but he wanted to get his foot in the door. So the first season, mm-hmm. I find there's a lot of you know like humor you know family guys guy american dad type of humor uh but as the series progresses you get less and less of that and you get more star trek um that's cool yeah and it's also um a little bit interesting getting used to seeing seth mcfarland talking but in my head i hear brian from family guy yeah. Right. So it takes a little bit of time to get used to, but overall, like season one was really good. I I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and like the first episode in particular is definitely kind of dumb with like the humor, although the episode isn't dumb, just the humor is. But by like the end of season one, you'll be like, yeah, this is just Star Trek, but with a sense of humor. Yeah, guys, you know what this means. It means we got to means... cover the Orville at some point. Oh, man, I've been saying that. <laughs> yeah. saying you know what? That. I, can, I can get behind that. I'm okay with that. You should totally yep, me too. do that. Me too. Um, yeah, and there's uh, a two-parter in season two where the first part, like, I got a best of both worlds vibe from it. Like, it was that good. Like, it should have been yeah. a season finale. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. So I'm I am stoked for season three, and as soon as we are done recording, that's what I'll be doing. <laughs> yep. And, and the nice thing too is that now they're doing it on Hulu in the states, so that's why it's on Star in Canada. Um, so they're not limited to forty a forty five minute episode. Like the first episode, I think, is over an hour, or just about an oh, hour. Oh, cool. So yeah, it, it and it was it was good. I I like yeah, like you were saying, Ragnar, it's the best Star Trek that's happened since enterprise it really it really is um <clears throat> all right so we'll move on to the next episode which is united it is episode 89 of the series 13th of the season uh the date that this takes place is november 15th 2154 directed by david livingston story by manny Cotto, teleplay by judith reeves stevens and garfield reeves stevens original air date february 4th 2005 Archer and Shran engage in mortal combat as Archer tries to unite the Andorians and Tellarites who are being set at each other's throats by a remote-controlled 
Romulan vessel. Um, and I and I forgot, totally forgot to mention last episode. Of course, Jeffrey Combs, as always, amazing as Shran. Love Shran. Um, again, uh, Brian Thompson is in this episode as the admiral. Um, so yeah, I think uh, if I remember correctly, I'm just looking. Um, so yeah, this is when the admiral is is fucking with Tucker and Reed on the ship. Um, and, uh, Reed, uh, has, or sorry, yeah, Reed has to disobey order, Tucker's orders in order to save him. Um, and yeah, it, just, just another, uh, oh yeah, and this was the episode where it was revealed the drone's pilot is an Anar, another species of the Andorian race. Um, so yeah, another great episode, another, uh, awesome ending because you know seeing that white andorian i was like what is going on that, that that's cool um curtis your thoughts whoa i wasn't prepared to go first all right um <laughs> <laughs> well uh, i really like the duel between shran and archer it was nice to see some like mm-hmm. some action between two of like the big names right and the, the fight was well choreographed. It was well done. Highlighted the episode for me. Um, and just hilarious when Shran gets cut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's all like, do you have any idea how long that takes to grow back? <laughs> uh, yeah, good episode. And, uh, you know, just moves. It, it, this whole three-part series was paced really well, too. Mm-hmm. Like, things were revealed at the right time. The tone was set. Um I don't know. It's, it really flowed nicely as a series. Excellent. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts? Well, I don't have a whole lot to say other than that it was awesome. But there was a particularly funny quote, and I had to go look it up to make sure I got it right. So it's Commander Shran, and he says, I'd rather cohabit with Klingon Targs than join forces with Tellarites. And then the Tellarite ambassador snaps back, your personal mating preference is no concern of mine. <laughs> that was classic. And I remember I, I just about spat my drink out when I heard that, when I watched it for the first time. It's okay, cool. I just about spat my drink out when you told me about it. So yeah. It's all good. Um, but yeah, no, this is a, this is a great episode. Um, oh. Not a hundred percent sure. I would say this is the best episode of season four, but definitely in the like top three. Yep. So yeah, yeah, that's great. Excellent. And Richard, your thoughts? Uh, I've got a couple things that I really like about this episode, and and when Ragnar uh, mentioned that quote, it reminded me. I think from the previous episode, um, Master Grawl was talking to Captain Archer, and he said something to the effect of, like, you know, the Enterprise is meant to be the pride of Starfleet, but I find it small and unimpressive, and then Archer snaps back. I was about to say the same thing about you, and I just, I love, like, the, like, combative verbal nature of the Tellarites. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, in a lot of ways, it reminds me of, like, how I interact with Curtis sometimes. <laughs> no, it's, you laugh, but it's true. Anyone who's hung out with us at all knows that's exactly how we talk to each other. As if we're Tellarites, and I think that's just how we get along. It's great. Yeah, that's for us. 
We're not best friends. We're just Tellerites. <laughs> Is that, yeah, it's actually impossible. Uh, another thing I noticed, uh, it was just a quick, quick thing. But when one of the senators, the Romulan senators, came to check on the admiral and um, the scientist guy, he was escorted by a couple of Remans. Yep. And I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of sad that they didn't do more with that because I believe this came out after uh, yep. Nemesis, and we know who the Remans are. Mm-hmm. But nothing really came of that, and that would have been really cool to see more of that. And they were already aware at this time that the Vulcans were like distant relatives, and uh, and it would have been cool to see something about that um, as well. Because we only really got to see that in like TNG mostly, and maybe some DS9, but it would have been good to see that. And there was another another sort of like interaction after Reed and Tucker got back to the ship. Uh, Tucker was getting like they were getting changed out of the spacesuits, and they were talking about how Reed had to disobey orders to save Tucker's life, and then. And Tucker says, you know, that, that makes it much more difficult for me to put you on report. And then Reed was just like, oh, no, it's going to be on my record and this and that. And it was just Tucker trolling, trolling yeah. Reed. And that's another, like, example of how Curtis and I, like, interact is that we'll, like, troll each other like that. So I, I enjoyed that, like, that banter, you know, like, they're they're kind of, like, best friends. And then, like, it was just really nice to see. Uh, aside from that, it's a great episode. I really liked the duel, as Curtis said. It was well choreographed, and I like the detail that they put into um, of, of, of Andorian tradition and like figuring out like you know the loopholes and the and, and the little like secret things that you might not be aware of. And they were able to get to the resolution without actually killing anybody. Mm-hmm. And I, I appreciated that that little bit of. Um, detail and lore in there but yeah great episode and as always Jeff Coombs just stealing the show and and I, I do appreciate that the acting of um, Scott Bakula is it gets better over the series I found it's a little bit campy sometimes but it's still pretty good I like it great episode excellent um, yeah I was going to say like with the Remans I kind of suspect they were introduced in this episode, uh, you know, to Star Trek television, because they were going to do something with them later on. Like, if there had been a season five, I'm sure we would have seen something with the Remans. Um, because uh, the director of this episode, I was just reading a thing about it. At the time of making this, um, he didn't know it was the last, you know, season. Um and then he found out afterwards, and he and then he was like, "Oh, I guess that might be the last Star Trek I ever direct." Um, so yeah, so I think it was around this time or shortly thereafter when they got the got word that they had been canceled. So that sucks. Um, all right, well, next episode is part three. It is ninetieth of the series, fourteenth of the season, and it is the Anar Date Unknown, directed by Michael Viger. Uh, story by Manny Cotto, teleplay by Andre Bormanis. Original air date February 11th, 2005. The drone Romulan ship that attacked the Andorians is under the control of an Anar, an offshoot race of the Andorians. 
Archer and Tran join forces to rescue the Anar and stop the Romulan plot. Um, so I, did they actually know it was... They didn't find out it was the Romulans, right? If I remember correctly. Um, so, I can't remember if the brother told the sister... Like, she figured out that it was her brother piloting the thing. I don't yeah. remember anything about them realizing that it was secretly the Romulans. Yeah. That could be wrong. Yeah, because... Um, it's been a while. I, I prepared for this recording over two months ago. <laughs> so that's when I watched. It's just not ringing any bells. I can't remember if... Because the, the, the unfortunate thing is, like, according to Star Trek lore like from the original series, like from the first episode, uh, Balance of Terror, like when Spock is talking about the Romulans, um, you know, short, like around this time or shortly there uh, after this is when they had the Earth-Romulan War, um, and they never actually saw each other. Like when, on the original series, when they tap into the Romulans' view screen without them knowing it, that's the first time that they see a Romulan, so you know they would be breaking canon if they did, uh, you know, reveal it here. So I don't think it happened, because um, on that episode in the original series, like then the, all the crew is like suspicious of Spock because he looks like a Romulan, and it was kind of like them, uh, you know, talk, you know, dealing with racism, I guess, in a way. Um, but, yeah, I don't think they find out. But it, at the end of this episode, uh, when, you know, the dust settles and everything, um, Tucker requests to leave the ship to join the Columbia. Because the the NX-02, I guess, uh, the U, U.S., or the, I guess it's not USS, but the, the Columbia, the sister ship to the Enterprise, is getting ready to launch. And... Uh, Tucker's wants to go over there. Um, so anyway, uh, Ragnar, your thoughts on this episode? Uh, well, I thought this was a pretty cool episode. Um, you know, the creepy subterranean ice-dwelling Anar were pretty fun. Um, yeah, this is a good episode. I I don't think I have a whole lot else to say about it except it was it was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was a good it was a good three parter. Uh, Richard, your thoughts? I yeah, I don't have a super lot to say about this one. I did want to say from the last episode, it was a little bit sad that Fran's mate Palestine, and I just want to say I appreciate. I appreciate Andorian females in that they're, you know, more aggressive. And Tran had to make a choice between charging another officer with assault or mating with her. And, you know, he hopes he made the right choice. But it's uh, it's a good episode. It's a good way to wrap it up. It slows down a little bit in the middle there. Um, and then it kind of picks up near the end for that last fight. And then the... Uh, our sister, now I'm blanking on her name, she gets into the, you know, the telepresence machine and she saves the day, which is kind of the whole point of the show, like that, that episode at least, I think. And then, you know, the brother, you know, he gives his life to, like, take out the drones and, 
Yeah, that's pretty much it. It's a good episode. It's a good way to end the series, you know, the uh, the, the arc there. And, yeah, that's pretty much all I have to say about that, I think. Excellent. And, Curtis, your thoughts? I don't have a lot to add that hasn't already been said. Uh, fitting ending. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to have the, the typical Riker moment where it's like, oh, we need someone to potentially almost die to make sure that this thing actually works and the plan's going to go forward. So Paul jumps in and, and tests the device thing before whatever her name was. The Anar sister hops in. Um, I don't know. It's like a thing that happens a lot in this season. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen in the next series, too, that I'll touch on when we get there. But it's like that that Riker move. I'll do it. You know, always yep. jumping in. It's always the first officer. Like, yep. It's always somebody important. Like, how many stooges do you have? Send one of them. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> Good episode. Just send a red shirt. That's what they're there for. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, the next two episodes are a two-parter, so I'm just going to... Th- put them together so episodes 91 92 15 and 16th of the season first one is affliction second one is divergence um the first episode takes place november 27th 2154 and the second one shortly thereafter uh the first episode is directed by michael Roseman. second episode is directed by david Bar- barrett um first episode story by manny Cotto, teleplay by mike sussman Second episode, Garfield Reeves Stephen and Judith Judith Reeves Stephen wrote that, and these aired February eighteenth and February twenty fifth, two thousand and five. So, Flocks is kidnapped by the Klingons, who are seeking a cure to cure a disease caused by an attempt to create Klingon augment hybrids, and also to Paul's mental abilities grow after she conduct, conducts her first mind meld. And with the Columbia's help, the, the, the Enterprise crew grapples with sabotage to their ship as they pursue the truth behind the kidnapping of flocks. The disease is cured, but genetic mutations will, carry, will make many Klingons appear human-like for generations to come. Um, all right. So, I didn't mind this ep- these episodes. Um, one, uh, so John Shuck... Uh, was on this episode as uh, Antac and uh, James Avery, Uncle Phil from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air was General Yeah, that's right, he was the Klingon Yeah, and he was a badass Klingon and also uh, Seth MacFarlane as Ensign Rivers uh, makes his Trek debut here Um, or was he, did he do an episode last season? I can't remember now um so, okay, so James Avery was cast as General uh, Kavak. He underwent a three-hour makeup process for the role, something he later described as a nightmare. Uh, he had previously been involved in Star Trek in 1987 when he was the runner-up to Michael Dorn to be cast as Worf in The Next Generation. So Uncle Phil might have been Worf. Uh, he became better huh. known as Phil Banks in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Affliction also featured a cameo by Mark Warden, as a Klingon prisoner who had previously appeared in the Deep Space Nine episode Sons and Daughters, and you are cordially invited as Worf's son, Alexander Rojenko. Oh, I, I, I didn't realize that. Um, James Shuck was cast as Klingon Dr. Antak, 
having previously appeared as the Klingon ambassador in both Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, and Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Shock had also appeared in episodes of both Deep Space Nine and Voyager. Um, Eric Piermont, Pierpoint had previously appeared in several episodes of Star Trek across various television series, including TNG's episode Liaisons, as well as episodes of DS9 and Voyager. He also appeared on the Enterprise episode Rogue Planet. Um, it was the, oh, yes, it was the second appearance of Seth MacFarlane, the creator of the animated television show Family Guy in a role in Enterprise. He had previously appeared as an unnamed character in the third season episode, The Forgotten, but gains the name Ensign Rivers in this episode. Um, yeah, the, I, I didn't mind these episodes. I, I like the fact that, um, they made an attempt to explain why Klingons look human in the original series, but then look different in the movies. Um, I, you know, what was, was it the perfect explanation? No. Uh, but it kind of worked for me. I actually didn't mind it. And I appreciated, you know, what they were trying to do. And, um, I really liked, uh, James Shuck there. And I, you know, of course, um, or John Chuck, sorry, and then uh, James Avery, of course, Uncle Phil, um, was awesome. All right, uh, Richard, your thoughts on this episode? I I actually really liked it. Um, Are these episodes James just... Avery was? Yeah, I really like these episodes. This little short arc here, I really appreciated that that they did try to explain it away, but the one thing that I think didn't fit was Archer talking to um, Klingon Doctor, and they had made some passing comments about facial reconstruction, but that didn't really happen, so I just I, I just wish that they wouldn't have added that, is that most of the Klingons that we see, all of the Klingons we see through the original series are, are humanoid-looking, and so I just I think that was placed in there for some reason, and I just didn't really like the feel of it. Um, and then during the mind meld between um, Hoshi and Paul, it was being sort of like guided a little bit by Archer. And then as much as I like, you know, the Forge arc, mm -hmm. it was just a little bit hokey that, you know, he was the one guiding her because he had um, Surak's Surak Katra in his brain. Yeah. And uh, I just, it was just a little bit hokey, but it was still a pretty like decent couple episodes. I like the explanation of what uh, was going on, some of the, the banter and um, the, I don't know what you want to call it, but like the extreme kind of like parkour type thing they did when they merged their warp fields and they got within 50 meters, the two ships, they got within 50 meters of each other. And then Tucker had to like zip line between the two ships. That was, that was actually really cool. It's probably my favorite part of the episode, just like, you know, the, the skill it takes in which to like fly two starships mm -hmm. you know that close together at warp 5.2 like it was it was really incredible it's well done I think but yeah all in all I thought it was a pretty good two parter and good 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 that's about it excellent uh, Curtis your thoughts so you're telling me that we almost had Lieutenant Phil and Uncle Worf well, I don't yes. know if I don't know if we would have had an Uncle Worf, but 
Well, in my mind, it makes sense. Just it's so much fun to imagine Worf being Carlton's dad. <laughs> <I imagine. laughs> Honestly, I'm glad that they went the way they did. I think that Michael Dorn was the right choice, personally. Yeah. I don't oh, absolutely. Know. Yeah. But, but I would have enjoyed it, you know? It's, it's a yeah. fun thought experiment to think about. Sure. Well, I don't can't think of anything iconic that Worf did other than stand there and look tough, but Uncle Phil could have done that, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree with Richard. Uh, uh, the part where Tucker had to, inside of a warp bubble, but still being, like, exposed to space, ziplining between two ships that had to be, like, perfectly aligned, that was super cool. How come that doesn't happen more often? Like, obviously, nowadays, we would just beam over at warp, because that's no big deal, but... Super cool sequence, um... Decent enough episode, you know. I'm not crazy about these two. They're all right. Nothing wrong with them, but don't have much to say. Excellent. Yeah, like one, like what I really thought was cool about that was that they were one was upside down, but technically in space, like nothing's upside down. Um, and we don't really see one was that. inverted relative to the other. Yeah, and we don't really see that in Star Trek. Usually, whenever two ships meet or whatever, they're always side, you know, side by side, oriented, you know, the go nose to nose. Um, it's you know something that Star Trek doesn't really do a whole lot. Um, so it's kind of nice to see that because, like in space, you know, like we saw it on Star Wars, like The Empire Strikes Back. You know, you saw all the star, like when all the star destroyers were together and they're all like in different orientations mm. and stuff like i thought that was cool like i you know um but star trek they always their ships always like align for some reason well i know yeah, there's for, only a single plane and everyone flies on that plane and is you know yeah perpendicular to each other at all times and, and you and you really do have to suspend disbelief because like i know um like <laughs> the deep space nine episode i think it's called sacrifice of angels like when they when the federation and dominion fleets meet it's like why don't you just fly around them? You know, like they, like they, right. I mean, you're not in an ocean. You can't, you know, like you can go over or under them, but anyway, well, I, I was going to say, it's also funny. For example, in DS nine, there's plenty of episodes where you see, um, the defiant flying yep. and it's doing all kinds of crazy maneuvering. <clears throat> and then when it cuts to the inside, it's just like flat and straight, but you saw the ship, like, you know, flying at extreme angles and going upside down and stuff like that. But, you know, yeah, they never, they never yeah. show that the crew is always flat at worst. They get thrown around a little bit. And, well, uh, I did always kind of wonder about that because the way the ships are built, it's not possible that everything is on a gyroscope or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, like dampener. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of, it's not like, right. Bo- like Boba for, Fett. For example, I, I love how the Expanse dealt with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone everyone's wearing boots that have magnets on them so that if the ship does go upside down, you don't like fall on your head. Yep. And uh yeah, I think it was just a probably when they started making Star Trek, they didn't even think about stuff like that and then later on they just wanted to keep keep a continuity going. Yeah, well, I, I just attribute it to the ships being able to 
create the gravitational field and that just kind of answers you know but i know that doesn't you know it's just one of those things i guess yeah yeah um all right so i guess we can move on to the next episode um and that is it is a singular episode this time episode 93 of the series 17th of the season and it is bound uh, the date is December 27th, 2154, directed by Alan Croker, written by Manny Cotto, original air date. So there was a, couple, a month and a half between these. April 15th, 2005. As a gift for negotiating with the Orion Syndicate, Archer receives three Orion slave girls, but these gifts have their own agenda. Meanwhile, Trip to Paul and to Paul come to terms with their psychic bond that has been created between them. Um... Yes, uh, the actor William Lucking, uh, who played Pine, uh, Piney uh, on Sons of Anarchy, uh, he's like the Orion slave yeah, trader. You're right, that was Piney. Yeah. Well, he was in Deep Space Nine as well. Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yes. He's a member so, of the Shakar Resistance, so. Right, right. Yeah. Excellent, I completely forgot about that one. But um, and, uh, he was in the rundown as well with The Rock. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that movie. Um, but yeah, great actor. But I, I love um, the twist in this episode that you know the using air quotes the slave girls uh, are actually the ones running everything, and it's the men that are kind of uh, the slaves. Um, I thought that was kind of a cool twist. And, uh, yeah, who doesn't love Orion Slave Girls? Um, you know, it's one of my favorite cosplays, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it, it was, this was a fun episode. I, I, I don't, I really don't mind this one. Um, Curtis, your thoughts, sir? Uh, yeah, I watched this one just yesterday. Um, obviously the big thing was the, the twist ending where, we find out that the the slave girls aren't the slaves. Um, enjoyable enough episode. I don't have a lot to say on it. Like, I don't know. I feel like I'm kind of phoning in this whole episode. But the last half of season four is just not that thrilling, really. Um, it, it it's 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 good, but it's not like oh my god, this is awesome. Yeah, no, it's fine. It's it's fine. Like this episode's fine. The ones before it were fine. It just, I don't know. It, yeah. it is, it's, it's cool that they did something with pheromones and that how, like, yeah, Tucker I, I was immune like because part. of T'Pol, because just Vulcan mind magic or something. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I'm fine. I'm fine with that being hand waved for the sake of the episode. Usually something like that would bother me, but, um, yeah. <sighs> Nothing wrong with it. Nothing right home about. Excellent. Uh, Rag, Ragnar, your thoughts. Well, you know, as far as a not terribly serious episode goes, I thought this was a pretty fun one. Yep. The, you know, the Orion uh, slave girls were pretty easy to look at. Uh, one of them played Gul Dukat's daughter in two two episodes because she was she was played by several different people. Yep. Yep. Um, she in the episode Indiscretion and Return to Grace. Uh, and she played Navar, one of the slave girls here. Yep. I didn't recognize her. I, I only saw that from IMDb. 
And, uh, yeah, I thought this was a fun episode. Um, I thought it was kind of neat that Trip is unaffected because he's he's now bonded with DePaul. I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Don't have a whole lot to say about it. It's not a it's not a must watch episode, but I thought it was fun. Yep. And Richard, your thoughts? I don't have a lot to say about it. Sad it already hasn't been said. But one thing I did appreciate was the quality of acting by the by the like the quote unquote slave girls. I didn't find their acting to be bad. Like it was good acting. Um, you know, they all three of them played that like that manipulative role together and they, they played well off each other. Um aside from that, there's not a lot to say about this episode. It's a it's kind of a one off. It's interesting. You could miss it and you wouldn't miss anything important. Um I did like the subplot about Tucker and Paul. That was interesting to see. And beyond that, that's pretty much all I have to say about this episode. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, for that, we have another two-parter right after this one. Uh, so it's episodes 94 and 95 of the series, 18th and 19th of the season. And it's In a Mirror Darkly, part one and two. Uh, the dates are January 13th and January 18th, 2155. Uh, directed by James L. Conway, part one. Uh, and directed by Marvin V. Rush, uh, part two. Written by, or, yeah, written by Mike Sussman, part one. Part two was written, story by Manny Cotto, teleplayed by Mike Sussman. And the original air dates were April 22nd, 2005, and April 29th, 2005. In the Mirror Universe... Commander Archer mutinies against Captain Forrest in order to capture the future Earth ship found in Tholian space. Uh, and he commandeers the 23rd century Defiant from the Tholians and uses it in a nefarious power grab. Um, <clears throat> Alright, so a couple things about this uh, two-parter. I really like this. I like... I'm not a big fan of the Mirror Universe, uh, you know, like uh, on our Deep Space Nine episodes, we talked about how it kind of got, you know, overdone. Um, I liked this two-parter in the Mirror Universe because it has absolutely nothing to do with our universe. Like they just, I think they just wanted to do something fun with uh, the actors and, um, you know, maybe use some sets and props that they had laying around. So they were like, okay, well, let's, let's... Uh, it, you know, because the nice thing about this episode, it actually ties into a third season episode of the original series. That's where that Defiant comes from. It is uh, it is not only taken to the Mirror Universe, but it is taken a hundred years into the past. Um, so this is like a original series style Constitution class vessel, um, which we actually saw. I can't remember the... it was a, The episode was called The Tholian Web in season three of the original series. So I, I love that they had that uh, continuity there, you know, that after, let me think here, this is 2005, and that would have been like 69. So after uh, doing math, 30, 
35, 36 years, we finally learn what happened to the Defiant. Because in that original series episode, it just disappears. We don't know where the Tholians, like they had it in a web, um, and then it disappeared. So obviously they sent it to their counterparts in the Mirror Universe. Um, so I like that. I like the fact that they recreated the Tholians in this episode because they're torturing one. Uh, I love that Dr. Phlox is like a master at torture in this universe. Um, I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> I, I loved seeing uh, uh, Tucker, you know, with one eye and, and uh, being all angry and stuff. It, this was just a lot of fun. Uh, and it was great to see them on, you know, this on those original series sets, um, you know, recreated obviously for for the show. Um, but and seeing Scott Bakula and seeing to Paul in you know an original series uniform, and I I just thought that was awesome. I I, re I really liked this two parter. And just to add, because at the end of the episode, Hoshi be becomes the Empress. And she conquers Earth uh, using the Defiant in in this uh, universe. I believe it is like I can't remember exactly, but and I might be speaking out of turn here. Um, but in Star Trek Discovery, when they go to the Mirror Universe with Empress Giorgio, I believe it's established that she's actually like that. Hoshi is actually her great grandma or something or grandma. Um, so that's why Giorgio is the Empress in that, in the Mirror Universe during Discovery's era, because she's actually a descendant of Hoshi. So, you know, Captain Giorgio in our universe, I guess, would have been, or in the Prime Universe would have been a descendant of Hoshi. Um, hmm. so I, it was kind of neat that they were trying to, to do something like that, but, uh, Star Trek Discovery is just not good. But anyway, this two-parter was good. I really liked it. Uh, Ragnar, your thoughts? Um, well, before I get into a two-parter, I was going to say, that was a really lame attempt by Discovery, if that's what they were trying to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is, that's a stretch. Oh, yeah. Cool. Um, I agree with you. The Mirror episodes get overdone. Um they're fun, but you always get the sense that they were more fun for the cast getting to play different versions of themselves than they are for the audience. Because it's kind of like, yeah, okay, we kind of know what's going to happen. Yep. Um, however, I, I was going to say I loved that they did a different ver version of the intro. Yes. Where it shows yes. humanity going on a different path and it's, and it's a completely different one. I thought that was brilliant. Now, I'm assuming that they didn't know they were going to be canceled and that they were, they expected to go to the mirror universe more often and probably would have reused that. But I thought it was so cool that they changed the intro just for these two episodes. And I love the the beginning scene where they recreate. Well, they use the the footage from Star Trek: First Contact with uh, yeah, you know, yeah Zephram Cochran uh, and stuff. Zephram Cochran there. Yeah, but instead of you know ex extending his hand, he reaches into his jacket and shoots the Falcons and oh, they take the ship. Awesome. Yeah, that was cool. 
Yeah, really like that. Uh, so yeah, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So just to sum it up, I I enjoyed them, and I think the the best part for me was them redoing the intro. Um, and I'm glad that they they did only do two episodes of this because I I think it would have been easy to overdo it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're fun. They're... Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Richard, your thoughts, sir? These two are actually the only two Mirror Universe episodes that I enjoyed from the entirety of Star Trek. Wow. I didn't care. Like, didn't really care for much about the DS9 ones. They weren't my favorite. Um, there was some funny bits in them, some interesting parts, but just didn't really grab me. These ones, uh, I think, are great. I uh, do like to Paul with long hair. That was nice to see. And then, the, uh, of course, you know, the, the female uniforms with the midriff showing, like, I, I appreciate that about those. Um, everything about the episode just kind of works for me. Um, I thought it was great to see Archer in, like, the green, you know, captain shirt that uh, Kirk liked to wear. And just all of it just fit. And... And then, you know, the quote-unquote captain's woman, Hoshi, she's kind of, like, on the sidelines, so she's not really, like, doesn't appear to be in a position of power, and then all of a sudden, you know, she just does her thing, and boom, she's Empress Hoshi, and it just worked out really well. And then in the beginning of the episode, when the Vulcans land on Earth, and they're trying to do, like, their their greeting thing and then all of a sudden Zephyr Coffram just blows them out of the air and I just was like okay this is going to be sick and it was it was a great two-parter I really enjoyed it um you know the torture the torture techniques of Dr. Phlox and then and then Mayweather becomes the captain's personal guard he's very much a, a badass in this uh in this couple episodes they must have had so much fun doing mm-hmm. this episode just like the actors um yeah, i don't know what else to say about it like i really enjoyed it there's a lot of good like um interplay there's a lot of good uh stuff going on they kept the uh the quote-unquote mating thing that happened between tucker and to paul which i thought that was a good little, little throwback you know keeping something similar between the two universes um you know, Hoshi, she uh, she gets around in this episode. That's okay. Um, and then a the little bit of a uh, a rebellion by the Vulcans. You know, Soval is one of the crew members, which I thought was really cool to have him in there. Uh, Being that they were conquered by the humans, I think. And yeah, it's just a great episode. Uh, the Tholian species, like that, was done really well with their with their CGI and such. And yeah, that's pretty uh, pretty much it. Um, yeah, for, for for me, I just wanted to throw out there. Yeah, aside from this two parter, I liked the first time they they went to the mirror universe on Deep Space Nine, like in season two, um, when Bashir and Kira went over, and then I liked the original series, like the original Mirror Mirror episode. Um, that was a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. But other than those, other than those four episodes, I could have done without the Mirror Universe. Like it, it, it definitely was overdone. Um, and I, you know, it's too bad that it was overdone because I really think it would have made a good TNG movie. 
you know, to have like a an evil Picard fighting a, a good Picard, I think would have been amazing. But anyway, I digress. Uh, Curtis, your thoughts on, on this two-parter? Well, any regular listeners will know I famously love the Mirror Universe episodes. And uh, this one's no exception. Uh, you guys pretty much said it all. Um, it was cool to see Travis Mayweather and Lieutenant Reed running around in Mako uniforms, because they were actually Makos uh, at the beginning of this episode. Um, Not going to lie, Anthony Montgomery filled it out nice. Mm -hmm. Dude was, like, Jack in this episode. Um, Yeah, I guess you guys all said it. It's it's cool that you mentioned that about the Defiant, because I was wondering, I just watched that earlier today, and I was like, where the hell did that Defiant come from? I didn't even know that there was a Defiant before... The Deep Space Nine Defiant. Uh, of course, I've only seen yep. this episode of Enterprise, I think, three times now, so I wasn't... I couldn't remember what the ship was called. Yep. Yeah, I but, remember... Uh, yep. Like I, I remember from the original, like, when they announced that on Deep Space Nine that they were going to have a ship called the Defiant, I, I was wondering, is it going to be, like, the Defiant C, Defiant D, you know, like... Because they've already, you know, like, they already established that the Defiant existed in the original series, but because it was a prototype, they, they got the NX designation, I guess. And that was NX. Oh, I can't remember seven, four or something, but, um, or was that Voyager? I can't remember, but anyway, um, yeah, no, I, I love that, that, that they had that tie to the original series. Cause I, you know, as a kid watching, you know, that episode, cause that up, the Tholian web is one of my favorite original series episodes. Um, definitely one of the best ones from the original series from season three. And I always wondered what happened to that ship. Like, where was it going? Um, and it's kind of cool to think that like in that episode, Captain Kirk almost went with the Defiant. Like he was, you know, kind of trapped and, uh, yeah, he could have easily showed up on, in this two-parter. Like it's kind of cool how like that original series episode literally in this timeline, uh, even though it's like a hundred years later in, our, in the Prime Universe, it was just like a few days between that episode and these ones. I just, I, I so just that, thought, I thought it was cool. There's something that that bothers me about this episode. I don't think that, that it's consistent with continuity. If this mirror universe that we observe in this episode is the same mirror universe that eventually becomes the mirror universe we see in Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. I just I don't I don't I'm not connecting the dots. The Terran Empire is powerful and obviously the Kirk incident has already happened since the Defiant is there. Mm-hmm. Now I have not seen the original series. Do they go back again after this? Nope. No, nope. they only did the okay. one Mirror Universe episode. So Kirk only had the single crossing. So how is it that in Deep Space Nine, the Mirror Universe canonically had disarmament? take place among the Terran Federation. Well, it it's because um like there like at the end like at the end of the mirror mirror episode from the original series, uh Kirk has like this big speech for the alternate Spock about, you know, mm-hmm. how, you know, he needs to, you know, take over and and you know turn the the empire into like a a federation, you know, like something more logical. Um, yeah, 
so he he appeal you know he gives a speech appealing to the logic side of uh spock's mind and then obviously he did it because you know because that's what um uh the alternate kira told the our kira was that uh you know spock you know made all these reforms and all this other stuff and also in that episode kirk had a device i can't remember i remember, can't remember what they called it but basically it was like this uh device that he could use to kill his enemies by the push of a button so he told spock about it so that's how spock was able to like take control uh of the enterprise okay so what whatever action spock took took place after these two episodes in enterprise yeah, well, in the mirror universe, because, um, yeah, the and because the defiant yeah, not only whatever, was whatever action mirror Spock took is what I meant to say. Yeah, would have taken place after this. Yeah, because this is like a gotcha. hundred years before Spock. Even though, because the, the, the defiant not only did it cross the universe, it went through time as well. Gotcha. So, yeah. So yeah. Well, thanks for clearing that up. <laughs> oh, it's all, it's all good. Yeah, like I said, uh, the Tholian Web and Mirror Mirror, two great original series episodes if you guys are, are interested in watching those because, yeah, they're two of my favorites. Um, all right. So now we have another two-parter. Uh, episode 96 and 97, 20 and 21 of the season. Uh, Demons is part one and Terra Prime is part two. Uh, this takes place between January 19th and January 22 of 2155. Part one is directed by LeVar Burton. Part two directed by Marvin V. Rush. Part one written by Manny Cotto. Part two written by Judith Garfield Reeves and Garfield Reeves Stevens and Andre Bermanis. Teleplay by Judith Garfield and Reeves Stevens and Manny Cotto. Original air dates May 6th and May 13th. 2005 uh a xenophobic faction of humanity threatens to undermine talks to form a new coalition of planets uh human a uh, human isolationist leader threatens to destroy starfleet command unless all aliens leave earth immediately his bargaining tool a baby cloned from the dna belonging to trip and to paul um so this episode features peter weller as John Frederick Paxton, um, who uh, Peter Weller is also known as RoboCop from RoboCop One and Two, um, he was on. And he was in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie. Yes, he was. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's in those. Uh, yeah, he was in <laughs> uh, Into Darkness. He was Admiral um, Marcus, um, and he. Uh, was also in a couple seasons of Sons of Anarchy, I believe. Um, yep. And he was in Longmire. I've never seen Longmire, but I, I've heard oh, good things dude, about you'd it. Love it. Yeah, I should check. Oh, that you'd out. love it, man. I, I love Katie Sackoff, so I, it's on my list. It's on my list. Um, because yeah, she's she's just amazing. Um, and also Gary Graham's on this episode as Ambassador Saval are on these episodes. Uh, so yeah, basically, it's kind of cool seeing Mars in this episode. Um, I thought that was kind of cool. 
it kind of makes sense this you know xenophobic attitude on earth given like what happened last season or on the season two finale to earth i could see why um humans would uh, be kind of pissed off with aliens um and uh yeah this was uh an all right two-parter um not my favorites but uh it, it, they were all right um and that's about all i got to say richard what what are your thoughts i actually really like these two episodes and hot take i wish that these two would have been the end of the series mm-hmm. oh yeah um we might get into that we'll get into that a little bit more in the next episode but i i like this episode it was it was a really dramatic way, I think, that they could have ended the series, and I think it would have done better uh, for me personally. Um, they could have taken what was the last episode and just thrown it somewhere like in the middle. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll talk about it next next episode, but I liked it. Uh, I love Peter Weller. He's a really good actor, and you know the whole idea of like making a clone, you know, the the human, the Vulcan baby. All these like all these things kind of tie into the whole to the whole plot, and then like the secret reporter that wants to get to get some information from Mayweather, you know, like that little B plot action. Mm-hmm. And I just I liked it. It was well done. There was some good acting. Um, maybe not the best two parter, like you said, but still uh, still pretty good, I think. Um, and it was you know it was more how do I say. It was more gripping than the final episode, you know, it kept me interested. I was like, man, what's going on? Like, first time I saw this, I well, I, I assumed, you know, given them the Star Trek, but you, you're never 100% sure what's going to happen. But yeah, beyond that, I thought it was great. A couple of really good episodes. Excellent. Yeah, I, I Ro- RoboCop 1 and RoboCop 2, those are the Peter Weller RoboCops, are my favorite. Yeah. I love those movies. And, and particularly the first one is really good. Oh yeah, a lot, and a lot Roll of good Star Trek actors. was so bad. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It was so cheesy. But uh, like RoboCop, you had Ronnie Cox who played uh, Captain Jellico. You had um, yeah. Kurt Wood Smith who played a number of of characters. Probably uh, most famously uh, Star Trek uh, Six. He was the president. He was on an episode of Deep Space Nine. He was, you know, the Year of Hell two-parter on Voyager. And then, yeah, Peter yeah. Weller. Like, um, after this, he went on to, you know, I'm not, I don't like Star Trek Into Darkness, but I liked him in it. Like, I thought he played a good good villain. It's just a shame that his head got crushed, I guess. I don't know. I don't really remember. Um, <coughs> but anyway... Uh, Curtis, your thoughts on this? Well, I've never seen a RoboCop movie. Really? Stay tuned. I'm going to piss you all off a lot more, too. Just Uh, watch the first one. Just watch the first one. (laughs) Number two's good. I I like two. And and a fun fun fact about two, it's actually directed by Irvin Kirshner, who directed The Empire Strikes Back. Okay, that's worth giving it a shot anyway. Yep. Um, yeah, I did not like these episodes. I, I I was watching them earlier today in preparation for this recording. And after the first, se- uh, 
the first episodes in this season where they they get back to Earth after the Zindi crisis, but they're back in time and there's other aliens and there's Nazis and blah, blah, blah. So you had that episode. You had the episodes just prior to this one where they even did like an almost Nazi salute in the, the Terran Empire. And then we get this episode and it's like this season's just beating me over the head with like, look how bad these people are. Just look at how bad they are. I get it. I, can you just please, Hollywood, preach at me about something else yeah. for five minutes. Just get, do Nazis once per season, okay? If you really have to. Yeah. But for the third time in a season now, just kind of strikes me as intellectually bankrupt. Like, have better ideas, man. Come on. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, 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 I'm fine with the <clears throat> thing you're trying to say and the message, whatever. Just have other ones. Not everything's horrible. Like, throw in a dash of hope, for Christ's sakes. This is the last real episode of this series. Yeah, well, all I got to say is you definitely don't want to watch the new Star Trek series then. And I don't <laughs> yeah. watch them. Yeah. And I have nothing against people who watch them and enjoy them. Watch whatever the hell you want. You don't yeah. need anyone's permission. Yeah. But I don't think they're for me. And yeah. that's okay. Yeah. And I feel the same way about these episodes. I don't think they're for me. And, and yeah, I, t I totally agree with that, you know, the notion of new Trek. It's not for me. Um, like I said, I watched the first episode of Strange New Worlds. I actually kind of liked it. I wasn't, but then the one cringe moment in it was when um, Captain Pike was talking to this government of this alien planet about Earth and the mistakes that we've made. And then they actually showed footage from the January 6th um, uh, riot. Oh, no way. Yeah, they actually showed oh, footage of that. Started. Yeah. And it's like, Really, Jesus you know, like it, it just—it was so cringe. It was like, this is such leftist Hollywood. I, I mean, that's, I'm, that's Star Trek abuse. Yeah, and the thing is, like, I'm not a Republican. I'm not anything like that. But it's like, I, I, I really don't need current pop. The whole point of Star Trek is you can tell a story about things that are going on now. Uh, in a way where it doesn't feel like you're being preached to. I watched Star Trek the to Escape. The Measure of a Man. Yeah. Yeah, The Measure of a Man. Yeah, it, yeah, a great episode. Um, That's how you do that. Yeah. But to, to actually see them show footage from J the January 6th, uh, you know, insurrection or whatever you want to call it, I was like, really, guys? Come on. You know. But... I'm really glad that I didn't watch that because it would have been... I would have been, as they say, quote-unquote, triggered. I would have been upset about that. Yeah. Because, like you said, there's so many times during TOS, TNG, DS9, where they can talk about, you know, things that might be important in today's life, but not have to, like, show your political bias, you know, mm -hmm. like, directly on screen. And Discovery is the same. They did that. New World or Strange New World uh, turning out to be the exact same, and I'm just glad I'm not not watching them. Yeah, yeah, I, not for those reasons, but I just wasn't planning on watching it at all because I I tried really hard to get into Discovery, and there was even a point when I started to, and then it it took a turn, and I just couldn't do it. Yeah, 
And then Picard irritated me so much I didn't even try season two, so I'm not even yeah, gonna watch it. Yeah, Strange don't. Things. Like it's, don't. Well, it's not on my it's not on my horizon. Like Like honestly, the only reason why I'm even gonna give it a chance for two reasons actually. I love Anson Mount. You know, oh, he's, yeah. he's one of my favorite actors. And uh, Rebecca Romjan Stamos is awesome too. Yeah, she is. But the second reason is to see that actor from Calgary. To see him playing the ANR, mm-hmm. I want to see what they do with that character. So I'm I'm very interested in that. But again, like like I don't know, they have four or five episodes out, and I have only seen the first one, so it's it's not like I'm in a rush or anything. Um, but yeah, that that part that I mentioned really cringed me. Um, but Ragnar, uh, what are your thoughts on this two parter? Well, I was disappointed when I watched it. <clears throat> I thought this episode, and then, you know, it turns into a two-parter, so these two episodes, I really thought they were going to be the whole story about how Jonathan Archer helped to form the Federation, as we sort of seen um, in some of the time-traveling stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the direction these episodes went. Instead, it was this whole thing about, you know, there's these... Um, you know, xenophobic people and they're trying to sabotage it. And I'm not saying that was bad. It was okay. But I really thought, especially, you know, given that this is the last or second and third last episodes of the whole series, that they were going to kind of do the whole, and this is how the Federation was created and, and all that. And they didn't really go down that road. So I was disappointed with them. But for what they were, they weren't terrible. Yeah. All right. But speaking of terrible, let's move on to the last episode. Um, and this is the last episode of the series. It is 98th of the series, 22nd of the season. And it's called, these are the voyages. The date is star date four seven four five seven point one. Why is it a star date? Because this is actually supposed to be a TNG episode. Huh? Interesting. Um, Directed by Alan Croker. And right here, this is a red flag. Written by Rick Berman, who writes generally crappy Star Trek. And Brandon Braga, who's... Brandon Braga's a pretty good Star Trek writer. But uh, he was... I mean, these were the creators of the series... Uh, but Brandon Braga kind of stepped back in the season um, and really had nothing to do much this season. Manny Cotto was kind of the showrunner, I believe. And Rick Berman, I think, aside from writing the pilot, helped, you know, uh, that was it, I think, for the series. And I didn't realize this, but this actually aired the same night as Terra Prime. So the se- two, second part of the two-part episode... Uh, aired with this episode, May thirteenth, two thousand five, oh. and I, I, That's I don't. Goofy. Yeah, I don't even remember that. I just, rem- I don't know. I think maybe I was so pissed off at this episode, I forgot that there was like an episode just prior to this. Um. So anyway, two centuries in the future, two crew members of the USS Enterprise NCC one seven zero one D. Commander William Riker and Counselor Troy observe a holodeck creation of the final voyage of the NX-01 in 2161, 
which takes place six years after the events of Terra Prime. Ezra returns to Earth for decommissioning and the signing of the United Federation of Planets Charter. Um, so one of the themes that ran throughout the series was a reference made to the chef. Uh, we never saw the chef uh, on on Enterprise, but it was implied that the chef was a man. Um, I always kind of hoped it would, you know, we'd find out it was actually Guinan or, you know, like maybe dressed as a guy. I don't know. Or, you know, maybe Q. I don't know. Like, it that, would have been, been, that would have been such an awesome twist if it was Guinan or Q. Yeah. Who ended up being the chef. Yeah. That would and, have been fucking rad. Yep. But we don't actually find out because in this episode, no. because it's a holodeck simulation, Commander Riker is the chef. So we never do find out who the real chef is. Uh, and he plays other characters in the simulation, like he was a bridge officer and blah, blah, blah. Uh, apparently this episode takes place during the episode, um, The Pegasus. Uh, the Really the only good episode from Season 7 of TNG, in my opinion. Uh, season 7 was a pretty rough season for TNG. Uh, the writing was really bad. Um... And everyone was super busy. Like, uh, I was, you know, I can't remember. I think it was on one of the Blu-ray documentaries. They were saying, because, like, during the seventh season of TNG, they were uh, prepping Voyager to go. They were getting it ready. Uh, Deep Space Nine was in its second season. Um, and they were writing and getting uh, the Star Trek Generations movie ready. So season seven arguably aside from season one and two i think is you know one of the worst tng seasons there really was not a lot of good episodes that season um but the pegasus in my opinion was the best episode from that season and then this well, naturally it featured john locke from lost yes yep uh, absolutely Admiral yep great actor i love terry o'quinn um but unfortunately he wasn't on this episode um so this takes place during that, and, uh, okay, for starters, uh, I've also read that, uh, like, uh, Scott Bakula and the other Enterprise actors were kind of pissed when they were filming this episode, because uh, they essentially become, they became guest stars on their own show, uh, because the main stars of this episode are Riker and Troy. And this episode's supposed to take place during the episode The Pegasus. Uh, but the episode The Pegasus was filmed uh, 11 years prior to this episode. So no offense to Jonathan Frakes or Marina Sirtis, but... Oh, oh I see where you're headed. You know, uh, jo you know, they didn't look like they did in 1994. You know, like, Troy... Uh, you know, like, they, they aged. And they didn't... This was before, you know, they like now they can do the CGI de aging techniques and stuff. Uh, they didn't have this but back I mean, then. They, they didn't even need to do that. They could have just had it be like them at any point in time. It didn't really need to be tied in the way they did. Yeah, I, I really think the only reason why they did this so they could have Brent Spiner, who uh, did like a voiceover in this episode, because you hear Data talking to Troy on her comm. Um, 
I really think that was uh. just so they could shoehorn data in. Like, honestly, like, like I know we mentioned, like I mentioned this on a previous episode, that if they wanted to bring Riker and Troy into this, why didn't they have a crossover with the Titan? Like, yeah, and not not be a holodeck simulation. Like, have an actual crossover, yeah. time, time travel crossover. Um, that would have been fantastic. Uh, and but now you got you know uh, Jonathan Frakes and Marina Sirtis trying to play themselves eleven years younger. And I mean, like, and I'm not knocking them because I mean, I look in the mirror and I look at pictures from me, like Facebook memories come up from like eleven years ago. I don't look the same, you know, like I put on a little weight, you know, I, you know, I've aged, I've aged a bit on this episode. It was so jarring seeing them trying to play their characters from TNG because they did not look the same. Um, and yeah, it, it, it just was a shame and Tucker dies in this episode and we never get to see Archer make his big speech. Like, we see him begin it. And then Riker and Troy, it, you know, the, it pans back to them. And then, you know, computer end program. And, you know, now they're back on the holodeck on the Enterprise D. And then they have the shot of the Enterprise D. And it's like, ugh. And um, after the fact, uh, in interviews, Rick Berman and Brana Braga admit they fucked up. They thought this would this was going because they knew this was going to be the last episode of Star Trek for the foreseeable future, um, and it was the end of an eighteen year run. You know, like that began in nineteen eighty seven with the first episode of TNG, and now was ending with in two thousand five with the last episode of Enterprise. So for eighteen years we had gotten new Star Trek. So this was the first time that Star Trek was coming to an end since the cancellation of the original series. So they wanted to, you know, bridge TNG and Enterprise, uh, you know, this era of Star Trek into, into this episode. And it just didn't work. It didn't work. And I really felt for, for you know, the Enterprise actors, because, you know, like they said, um, you know, they felt like guest stars on their own show. And on their final. Well, and could you imagine being Tucker's actor, reading that script, being like, "What the hell are you guys doing?" Yeah. Yeah. Like it. It. I would. Yeah. Like the like last episode, uh, Terra Prime. That I I would have been happy if that had been the end. You know, them just. You know, they they should have just had them fly off and leave it open ended. We don't know what's going to happen. You know, to be continued possibly, um, but. You know, doing this, I think, was was absolutely the worst thing they could have done. And honestly, this is, in my opinion, aside from the original series final episode, which they didn't know that they were going to be canceled. So their final episode was, you know, a woman in Kirk's body and Kirk in a woman's body. So William Shatner had to play as if he was a woman inside of his body. It was pretty bad. It, uh, you know, the it was the episode. <laughs> it was called the Turnabout Intruder. It was it was pretty bad. Um, this this episode is right there with it. Like it, it this this stunk. It it really felt like these guys, you know, got screwed over big time with this episode. 
Um, and, and, and the fans did too. Because like I said, like if they had had, you know, Captain Riker and Troy on the Titan, you know, and if they wanted to shoehorn in, you know, other characters, you, you know, because in the, in the Titan books, Tuvok is, you know, because Voyager's back, Tuvok actually serves on the Titan as uh, you know security tactical officer. It would have been awesome to see Tuvok show up in this episode instead of having a voiceover from Brent Spiner, who we already saw earlier this season. So we didn't really need that. Um, but yeah, it just, it sucks that this is the last episode and one of the worst series finales I think ever made. That being said, I'm going to toss this over to Curtis. Curtis, what are your thoughts, sir? All of that is true, but I could have found it in my heart to forgive them if we could have gotten Archer's speech. We were mm. promised implicitly in the first season when we met Daniels and he told Archer, what was it, the first season? It was early in the series anyway. Yeah. Where we discovered that Daniels is from the future and Archer forms the Federation and there's this speech and blah, blah, blah. I, I could have I accepted that they did whatever they could do with what they had at the time if we could have gotten something more about the founding of the Federation. There's books on the subject. I have one or two here in my own house. There's fans have talked about it for decades. They owed us that, and they didn't deliver. And it's a broken yeah. promise, and it pisses me off. And that's all I'm going to say about this episode. Yeah. Uh, Ragnar, your your thoughts? Oh, they they did it dirty, you know. Just, I'm I'm I don't know how much warning they had that they were being canceled, but I feel like this was not a very good way to end the show. Was it cool to see Riker, even if you're right, he did look older than he was supposed to? Yeah, totally. Was it funny to see him be the chef? Yeah, but it just just wasn't a strong ending for a show that you know in my opinion and only in my opinion had two really crappy seasons and two really good seasons this was a very crappy ending yeah so i, and, I think that was a shame and i yeah. and i think we had mentioned this in a previous episode that had they just had this episode take place somewhere else in the season not the season. Yeah, just like a random episode in yeah. the middle would have been it, fun. Yeah, it, it probably... Been like, hey, that was a pretty fun episode. Cool. Yeah, it actually... I think it would have been remembered more. Um, yeah, oh, for sure. More fondly, for sure. Um, yeah, for sure. But the fact that this was the series finale, and and like I said, like... The, and know, the like, season finale. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and the, the, the actors getting... You know, the actors that have been with the show for four years and then ba basically yeah they they become guest stars on their own show like it like it was such a shitty thing to do to them yeah that that was terrible uh richard your thoughts well i think i agree with everything that's been said so far but if i could go back and change some things 
I would. I would take this episode and I'd throw it in, you know, somewhere near the middle of season four. You know, just a fun episode, you know, make it make it something like a tie-in to Titan. That would have been a better thing. And then maybe sort of like tease like the idea of like a Titan series. I think that would have been yes. really classic. Yep. Um, that would have been much better. And then instead of Terra Prime, the way it was, I think Curtis is right about how they kind of like forced some like ideology. They should have changed it so that it was a two-parter all about, you know, getting prepared and getting ready for the big speech, you know, but don't kill Tucker because, you know, he's my, one of my favorite characters. That was just, that was just, I don't know. It was just a terrible idea. Honestly, it was, it was, um, kind of like what they did in game of Thrones, like killing off important people that are really liked. Tucker is one of the main, like one of the main guys through the whole show. And they just sort of like, Oh, let's, let's have him save the ship and kill some aliens. Great. Now you've lost one of the best characters. I think that would be a better way to end it because this episode, the script wasn't great. The idea itself was terrible. And even the set pieces that they used for the Enterprise D were wrong. They Mm -hmm. couldn't even match the set pieces. Like, I know that they had to make new sets, and that's fine, but they could just go back and look at the episodes. They have them in their vault, I'm sure of it, or on Netflix or on friggin' Crave. Go back, look at the sets, match the colors. You know, the the terminal lift was wrong. The observation lounge was wrong. Those kind of details are important for people who like continuity and lore. Like, those are small details that, like, you know, nerds like us will notice. And... You know, don't make it about Troy and Riker. This is supposed to be about the signing of the Declaration of the Federation. That was what it was supposed to be about. And I still don't understand why Riker had to go back into this simulation to get some clarity about what was going on in Pegasus. Like, I don't I don't see the connection between the two things, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um and honestly, it was just bad, you know, like, yeah, you know, it was cool to see Riker. I love seeing Riker. I liked him, honestly, I actually liked him better in season one for Card. Like, it was a better fit. This was just, you know, throw in a couple of TNG guys, make it about TNG, you know, TNG this and that. Like, I love TNG, but TNG's over. Mm-hmm. We didn't need to go back to it. Yep. So, yeah, this was uh, very disappointing. Um, I enjoyed Enterprise as a whole. You know, like I have some some gripes about it, sure, but as a whole, it was great. And then they just take this episode and they use it like a knife and they stab it into the hearts of, you know, Star Trek fans. And I think that, you know, they just kind of twisted the blade and they pulled it out. And that I know that seems really dramatic and a little bit extra, but honestly... Like, fuck this episode and the placement of it and what they did with it and to the, to the people who put in so many years of hard work to make the show as best as they could. And, yeah, I think that's the end of my little rant. Um, all right, so I got a couple things to add. Uh, apparently, there was a couple of astronauts, Terry W. Verts and Michael Finty. I'm, I'm sorry if I butchered their names. 
but they uh, played a couple of crewmen in the final episode. Uh, so I think that's pretty cool. I like it when, uh, oh, you know, cool. real-life astronauts get involved. Um, all right, so as far as the cancellation goes, it was announced on February 3rd, 2005, that Enterprise had been canceled. The news was passed to the cast and crew on the sixth day of filming the second part of In a Mirror Darkly. Following the broadcast of the final episode, These Are the Voyagers, it was the first time in 18 years that there was no new episodes of, Star of a Star Trek series scheduled for broadcast. Star Trek Enterprise was the first live-action spin-off from the original series to last less than seven seasons. The end of the series cast and crew party was held on April 13, 2005 at the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. Um, yeah, it's just... It's, yeah, too bad that uh, it ended this way. Um, yeah, it they deserve better, I think. Um, and yeah, it just... Uh, I just remember seeing that episode and I just remember just being pissed, you know, like this is really how you guys are ending this. Um, but yeah, so basically, and also I didn't realize, um, in this final season, like their budget had actually been reduced. Uh, so they were able to save money because they incorporated more digital special effects. Um, you know, rather than, you know, using models and stuff. So they actually, it's funny because when TNG began, you know, 18 years ago, prior to this, um, it was more expensive to use CGI and more time consuming. And then t <laughs> 18 years later, it became cheaper and faster to use CGI um, versus using actual models and stuff. So it's, it's great. So it's just funny how, the technology changed so drastically during those 18 years. Um, so anyway, um, the cancellation of Enterprise was protested by fans of the series. Actions included around 100 fans picketing the gates of Paramount Studios. The response to the cancellation was organized on websites such as trekunited.com. They raised money, which was intended to be used for new Star Trek programming with $48,000 raised within a month of the can cancellation. The website sought to raise $32 million to pay for a full fifth season of the show, but failed to get close, only gaining some 87000 from general donors, plus $3 million of anonymous donations from investors who work in the American space flight industry. Rallies were held elsewhere around the world, and a full-page advertisement supporting the show was taken out in the Los Angeles Times. The money was refunded after an unsuccessful campaign and with reportedly only one accidental contact between, uh, sorry, one accidental contact between Trek United and Paramount. I wonder what that means. So someone, there must have been a fight, I guess. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that, and that, that's the end of, uh, of Enterprise. Uh, oh, I can. There's something here about These Are the Voyagers. The critical response to the final episode, These Are the Voyagers, was mostly negative. For example, the Wisconsin State Journal described it as hands down the worst series finale ever. The episode featured holodeck simulation of the USS Enterprise from TNG, 
during the events of the Pegasus with Riker and Troy. It was written by Berman and Braga, who responded to negative criticism of the episode by saying, you have to remember that under normal circumstances, most people probably would have thought this was a very cool episode because it was a great concept driving it, Berman said, that I would have never, later said that I would never have done it if I'd known how people were going to react. Ian Miller of The Independent on Sunday criticized the appearance of two TNG characters in the finale, saying that it was like watching a once great sprinter now gone to fat falling flat on their face while running for a bus. Oof. Uh, the review also compared the use of the holodeck in the episode as the Star Trek equal to the ninth season of Dallas, which was revealed to be a dream of Pam Ewing in the finale. Uh, Thomas Connor of the Chicago Sun-Times gave the finale half a star in his review, saying the death of Charles Trip Tucker III was the most anticlimactic, anticlimactic and dramatically pointless death in the history of the franchise. I, I can't argue with that. That's actually a good point. Uh, the Boston Herald described the episode as one of the best ways to disappoint fans during 2005, saying it turned out to be an inappropriate ode to Star Trek The Next Generation. A preview of the episode in the Daily Herald by Ted Cox suggested that it could never figure out, out if it was meant to appeal to devoted Trekkies or general audience. In alienating, in alienating both, it appealed to neither. Uh, so yeah, it uh, sucks that uh, we're ending these episodes on a sour note, but... Uh, it is what it is. <laughs> um, but uh, all right, well let's uh, let's give some final thoughts overall. Um, you know, Enterprise. Um, I do like it better than Voyager, um, and I probably I don't know. I do I like it more than the original series? Maybe. It, it's it's pretty close. Like I, I I have a fondness for the original series. Um, that's what got. That's how I became a Star Trek fan. Was watching the original series on CBC um, in the early '80s, and um, you know, so it's got a special place in my heart. But I think Enterprise is kind of with it. Like I, you know, like uh, Deep Space Nine is my favorite. TNG is a close second. And then TOS slash Enterprise is, you know, I kind of see them together in my ranking. And then Voyager. And then that's kind of where I draw the line with Star Trek now. Because um, I, I don't like Discovery. Um, or Picard. But uh, overall, you know, it was a good, good series. I like Scott Bakula as uh, Captain Archer. Um, like I said in in our first episode of the series, um, I was a huge fan of Quantum Leap. So when he was cast as the captain, I I, I immediately was sold. I thought this was great casting. Um, even though you know some people think he's boring and he, you know he, he's not very interesting, I thought he I thought he fit good. And, and especially in the third season, seeing him you know go to a dark place, I. I I like that. I, I thought that, you know, it was uh, good acting and, and a good uh, progression of his character. And, yeah, it's just too bad that, uh, you know, it got canceled. Like, the like season four of Enterprise is probably my favorite um, because 
it seemed like with Manny Cotto running things that they were really going someplace. And unfortunately, it was a little too late. Um, and uh, and that's it. Um, Ragnar, uh, what are your thoughts on the series overall? Well, as I've, I've expressed many times, I thought seasons one and two were not that great. As a whole, I found seasons one and two quite slow. And... I didn't think Scott Bakula was all that great until season three when they finally started pushing his character. Mm-hmm. I found in season one and two, I found his, his captain just sort of bland compared to some of the other captains we've, we've spent time with. Um, but, you know, I'm not saying season one and two are terrible and don't watch them. I just found them very slow. Mm-hmm. And then season three and four as a whole, I thought were quite good. So it was a, a, you know, yet for me, I had to get through a lot of content before the show paid off. Yeah. And then of course the finale is just a huge slap in the face. Is it the worst finale of a TV show? Hell no. Game of Thrones has that on it, <laughs> but yeah, but yeah. boy, did they ever just do it dirty? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I have lots of nitpicks and quibbles with Enterprise, and I, I have those same nitpicks and quibbles with any time they try to do a prequel show. I'm usually just not a, the hugest fans of prequels. I think doing sequels or different stories in the same timelines, especially with Star Trek where you could just be in a different quadrant, is more interesting than, you know... Like, trying to do a prequel is is weird because we know more about technology now, but in order to make Enterprise properly connect with the original series, you would have had to make the tech even dumber than it was in the original series. Yeah. And when you watch Enterprise, the Enterprise deck looks a heck of a lot more realistic than on, you know, the original series where it's just flashing lights that beep. Yep. So I always have those quibbles when you do a prequel. Mm-hmm. But um, I think it's good. I would I would say DS9 is my favorite Star Trek. Probably then Next Generation, and then probably Enterprise, original series, and then Voyager. But I want to throw in a caveat. I have to re-watch Voyager as an adult, because yeah. when it originally aired, I didn't really like it, so I didn't watch very much of it. So there's a lot of Voyager I've never even seen. Yeah, a lot I'm... of it's actually really good, man. So on, a, well, once I've watched all of it, then I'll I may change my opinion on that ranking. But yeah, and but anyway, yeah. and that's something I've been thinking a lot about too. Like going back, because I haven't watched all of Voyager because. Um, you know, like I do a lot. Of, uh, anyone who listens to this network knows I lo- I do a lot of complaining about new Star Trek. But I I actually stopped watching Voyager halfway through season three because I wasn't happy with it then. So it's not that I got some, you know I just don't like new Star Trek or I just like Berman Roddenberry Star Trek. No, I I, I actually stopped watching Voyager. Like I've actually only seen probably half of Voyager. You know, because I came back in season four. I watched some of season five and then I didn't even watch season six and seven. Um, 
So there's a lot of Voyager I got to watch. But when you compare it to what we get now, in my opinion, Voyager is like light years ahead of uh, of Discovery. So it's nice that we got that to fall back on. You know, like I, there's new, they're using air quotes. There's new Star Trek for me to discover without having to actually watch new Star Trek. Uh, new to me, I should say. Uh, Richard, what are your final thoughts on uh, on Enterprise? Overall, I liked it. Didn't like the end, as I said earlier. Um, the first two seasons were a little bit slow, which you know I'm not I'm not mad about. I liked a lot of the episodes, you know, especially like with Zindi and the Expanse, and I, I, I like long form. Is that like arc based or episodic, whatever the right word is for that? I like serialized. That. Serialized. I like that where you know they kind of call back to the you know earlier parts, and they have, and they had basically the same cast for the whole show. Like I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty pretty awesome. Like Paul. Mayweather, Hoshi, Reed, Tucker, and the captain, they were all six there pretty much for the whole show. And I really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, yeah, Sydney, I'd have to say DS9 number one, TNG, Enterprise, then Voyager, then TOS, and the rest aren't even on any kind of list for me. <laughs> yeah. But I, I do like it a bit more than Voyager, but there's a lot of good Star Trek in Voyager. And, you know, like, Voyager and Enterprise were, like, the last, like, real Treks that were on TV. And yeah, I miss them a lot. I miss what we consider to be real Trek, not what's on TV today. Well, hey, at least there's the Orville. There is, and I'm actually gonna I'm gonna get watching that pretty soon because we we have Disney Plus, and if we got the Star, then we can just do it. Yep. Um, I, I watched season one and two of Picard. Absolutely, 100% disappointing in every way possible. Yep. Um, watched the first couple episodes way back of Peace Discovery. I know I now know why they call it STD. <laughs> and I'm never, probably never going to watch Strange New World. So these are the Star Treks that I appreciate. And even with, you know, the end of this series, I still like it better than New Trek. And that says yeah. a lot. Yeah. I think I'll end with that. All right. And Curtis, your final thoughts on Enterprise. When I first watched Enterprise, I wasn't a fan Um Maybe for the same reasons that Ragnar doesn't like season one and two, I didn't like what I was watching, and I think I, I think I just caught the odd episode in here and there that Richard watched when I lived with him, but I knew I didn't like it. But then, as an adult, when I, you know, I guess I was an adult then too. But later on, when I we chose to really watch it myself, though. no, not really. We were grown-up <laughs> kids. Um. <laughs> Anyway, as an adult, I, I did like it a lot more, but I'm in the same boat as Ragnar. It didn't really kick off until season three, and that's pretty typical of Star Trek. There's there's a warm-up period, right? And that's okay, because it, it usually pays off in the end. And just when Enterprise started to pay off, something happened halfway through season four that just sort of took the wind out of the sails for me. It's all right. It's good enough Trek, you know, in the the old style of Trek. 
I would rank it probably fourth. Um, DS9, obviously my favorite. TNG second because that's the one that I watched the most of as a kid. Mm-hmm. And it's just this... It's like this familiar, comfortable blanket that I wrap myself in when I mm-hmm. watch TNG. Yep. Um, so it's it's a, it's very skewed. I am biased, and I don't know if I'm making a judgment call based on the quality of the show or just about how cozy it makes me feel. Uh, third would be Voyager, and then fourth is Enterprise. And the reason I have Voyager above is if, if you guys haven't seen all of it, try and give it a chance. It's got its problems. It really mm-hmm. does. Um, halfway through, they trade out Kess for Seven of Nine, yep. who's not actually that good of a character, really. Like, she she did fine. Jerry Ryan did fine. Everybody, you know, did their best. The, the show had writing issues. Now I'm ranting about Voyager. Back to Enterprise. I would like to take back something I said in our first episode about Enterprise. I was mistaken when I thought that Lieutenant Malcolm Reed was a boring character. Uh, at first he was, but they all were. By the end of it, I found this latest rewatch, he really did grow on me. Yep. And I, I was able to, to appreciate some more of the depth to his character that I didn't really have before. And a lot of that was thanks to you guys. You know, we all talked about the characters when we started this whole voyage. So I tried to tried to be a little bit more open-minded this time around. And it worked and it paid off. Fantastic. That's good. Yeah, I, I like. I've always liked that character. I really like that actor. I and I, I like all the actors on on Enterprise. I thought they were all very well uh, cast. Well, and and now I'm mad I didn't go meet him when he was in Vulcan that one year that we were oh. there, and so was he. Yeah, yeah, I yeah yeah. There was a lot of people that year. Like Chakotay was there. I he was there. Well, I also hadn't really seen Enterprise by then, but. Yeah, it was. Now nobody was knows if it's their turn to talk or not. Let's um, all just be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> nobody say anything. <laughs> Awkward silence. <laughs> yeah, I actually see, just seen Andrew Robinson uh, on a video for the Incredible Hulk TV series. I didn't realize he did a guest appearance on there. So I got to go find that episode. Because uh, I, I have the, the Incredible Hulk box set. Um, and I tried watching it, but it, it's really not good like it uh, yeah it's pretty hard to watch it, it is as a kid i remember really liking it but as an adult i'm like uh, but i'm gonna i'm gonna look up that episode and watch it um all right uh so this is the end of us talking about enterprise uh as i mentioned in you know this summer we're gonna do that three three view uh so for next episode uh, for, dear listener, if you want to watch Remember Me from Season 4 of TNG, uh, Necessary Evil from Season 2 of Deep Space Nine, and The Doomsday Machine from Season 2 of TOS, those will be the, the episodes that we're going to talk about and uh, hopefully have a good time. And then uh, someone else will pick three episodes. So guys, if you guys want to go through your Star Trek lists and pick three just random episodes that you like... Um, and, uh, you know, whenever, you know, on the next episode, uh, someone will take a turn and, and, and we'll do that. Uh, but, but, you know, on Trek 179, we've got a lot of new Star Trek episodes coming. There's a lot of topics that we've already thrown out there. 
so after summer we'll uh we'll uh get to talking more more uh about other star trek and, and so on and so forth but before we go i just wanted to ask you guys real quickly uh have any of you seen obi-wan kenobi and without giving any spoilers what 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 are you thinking i personally love it i think i think it's this is the Star Trek, or sorry, the Star Trek. This is the Star Wars series I've been waiting for. I, I really enjoyed it, despite all the the controversy and everything. Um, I I'm watching it. I've seen all the episodes. I won't give any spoilers here. I I like it. Um, I there's one character who I just don't like, and I and I have a lot of reasons why I don't like it. And unfortunately there's become this big, big bandwagon of all these people hating this character just because yeah. the character is portrayed by a black actor. I don't give a shit about yeah. that. Like I, well, I don't like the character. And what I don't like about the character is it's unbelievable to me that this character could do some of the things that they've done. Well, Anyways, for, I can't without spoilers. I can't say much yeah. more. Well, the thing, the, the for, um, for however, me, I I, I just know, wanted to I just wanted to jump in there real quick. Like when you're talking about like not liking the character, uh, I think a lot of people like I actually don't like I don't like the character either. But that's the point, you know. To me, she it's it's kind of like Lena Headey when she played Cersei. Like you're supposed to not like Cersei because she's a you know she's a bitch. Um, so it's, to, to me, it's kudos to that actress, Lena Headey, for doing such a good job. And same with, uh, this actress, uh, oh, what's her name? Um, oh, I can't remember. Uh, Moses, um, Ingram Moses, I think. Moses uh, Ingram. Yeah. Moses Ingram. Um, yeah, cause you're not supposed to like her character. And I think she's doing no, a good job, a good job. I don't, of that. I don't have any problem with that. It's just that. In the in the cartoon shows, the like the Grand Inquisitor was so badass, mm -hmm. and then she just kills him. And I know they're just trying to make it like she's really ambitious and she's really evil. But if every Sith Inquisitor, like if every Inquisitor just murdered all the other ones, there wouldn't be any Inquisitors. Well, that that's and, kind of that's... And whenever you whenever you see a TV show where they present like oh here's an organization of villains, and then they all murder each other and that's how they climb the ranks, that doesn't really work because then they they'd all be dead. There wouldn't be any left. They have to follow the rank system. Well, well, that's the thing. That's the beauty of this is that's actually so, why the Sith have the rule of two. Because back yeah. back in the old like back you know a thousand years ago during the old Republic, there was a bunch of Sith running around and they all turned yeah, on each that's other. Yeah, kept happening, right? Yeah, so it kind of makes sense that the Inquisitors are like that, right? That they they you know because they're well they're not fully Sith, uh, so they get along a little bit better. Like had they fully went to the dark side like a Sith, they would definitely be turning on each other. You know? Yeah. Just, just I don't know. I was I was. I just thought that they went, they pushed her character a little too far on that front. Yeah. And the Grand Inquisitor was, was both lame and he didn't look very scary at all. Whereas in the cartoons, he was scary. Yeah. And I, and I'm wondering about that. It like, maybe it's not the same Grand Inquisitor. Like, like, uh, I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be the same guy, but, but, but the thing is that 
Grand Inquisitor died in Rebels, which takes place after this. So I never, I didn't understand. Oh, did he die in Rebels? Oh, maybe. Well, maybe yeah. it's supposed to be a different one then. Well, that's what I'm thinking because everyone th- assumes because it's the same species that it's the same guy, but I'm thinking it's not. I'm thinking they're, you know, they're two mm. ca- different people from the same species that achieve that rank. Yeah. But I, so, I mean, I could be wrong. That's been my only complaint with with Obi Wan. Yeah. Um, I would I would say the first episode was a little bit slow. Yes. And the yeah. second one was also a little bit slow, but then the third one was a whopper. So I'm liking it. Um, I heard they're they've already decided to make a second season. Yep. And the thing that I'm very curious about is if it's going to cross over with anything else. It could cross over with um, the Cassian Andor show that's going to come out later this year. Yep. It very easily could could go with that. It could cross over with Ahsoka because she was alive at this time. Yeah. Our uh, characters from the Rebel show could also appear in this show in a live action form. Yep. Um, I don't know. I don't know if they're going to do that. But the thing that I'm the most curious about is if they're going to have Qui-Gon show up as a force, you know, a ghost or whatever they're called. Yeah. Oh, they, they I don't think to. they're gonna, but man, am I ever hoping they do. Cause Qui-Gon was one of my favorites. So I'm, I'm willing to bet that it's going to happen. Um, yeah. and the reason, reason I say that is because they convinced Liam Neeson to do an episode of the Orville. So if he'll, if he'll do yeah. the Orville, he'll do this for sure. Yeah, well, I hope I hope that they go down that road, but I don't know. But yeah, I, I'm enjoying it. It's it's um, infinitely better than the book of Boba Fett, which mm-hmm. was a hot mess, except for the Mandalorian um, episode episodes. Well, no, there were there were parts of the Boba Fett show that were great, but as a whole, it was a stinker. Yeah, yeah. Um, they they and, really didn't know what they wanted to do with that show, and it, no, and it, it, and it was it obvious that they. Yeah, they just took a whole bunch of random ideas they had and blended it all together, and it was crap. But um, this one's good, and uh, I'm excited to watch the next episode. I believe there's only six episodes, so we're, yep. yeah, so we're already, halfway through. Yeah, already halfway through. Yeah, it's funny. Like, Boba Fett, I, I was really thinking about it. They took a modern Star Trek approach to Boba Fett because they lit, because on Discovery and Picard, they literally throw all these ideas at the wall and like make and use them all, you know? And yeah. that's, and that's what they did with Boba Fett. It was like, well, we got to have this. Well, I, I, like, uh, you had, you had all the right ingredients for Boba Fett. Yep. They just didn't use them right. And then the last two episodes are barely about Boba Fett. They're actually about the Mandalorian. And you're like, this is cool, but what the hell is it doing here? Honestly, like, like it would have been cool, like yeah, having the Mandalorian show up and just help Boba Fett, and then those. Oh, and epi- that, we all expected that. Yeah, and then those episodes, like what happened in those episodes, that they should have just did like a Mandalorian episode, like a standalone. Yeah, uh, that had nothing to do with Boba Fett. Yeah, exactly, and just have that come out randomly sometime just to get everyone excited about it. Yeah. But any, anyways, we yeah, this isn't the place to talk about. The Boba Fett show, but I, but it was a hot mess. Obi Wan so far seems pretty great, and uh, I'm super excited 
to hang up on you guys in a minute or two and uh, go start on uh, season three of the Orville. Excellent. And Richard and Curtis, have you guys watched Obi Wan yet? Or no, and I my my usual trusted sources for reviews of all things nerdy and geek have not had great things to say. So I I I have a lot of trouble trusting my heart mm. to Disney's Star Trek. I I can't say anything about it because I haven't seen it. But what I can say, um, I, I listen to reviews from many corners because I sit in a truck all day and all I have to do is listen to YouTube. Uh, I, I don't I don't get the impression that people's problem with a certain character has anything to do with the skin color of the actor. That's just no, I, that's I, not I, the impression I've gotten. Yeah, and I know I, that that's a. That's something that gets you to click on an article and read it because it inflames, mm-hmm. and that's the way journalism, unfortunately, works. And it really is prevalent in all of geekdom, including video games, well, for the last ten years media or so. Engineered that way. Exactly. Anything that pisses you off, they're going to use that to get you to click because that's when they make ad revenue. It's yeah. just not what I. It's not what I'm hearing from my sources cool yeah and and i don't i don't think the character is terrible i just think they just it's a little bit too far and i think they did a great job when you do eventually see darth vader making him be scary again and i don't think they needed to have two villains that were super scary in the same season they could have just had darth vader be the scary one yeah but that's just my opinion and i haven't seen the whole show yet so who knows what twist it could yet take well, I haven't seen any of it, so take nothing I say seriously. I'm just telling you what I've <laughs> oh, what I've heard on YouTube. You that's that's you know what? That's a healthy way to go through life, my friend. Excellent. Well, as more space shows, you know, happen, uh, we will talk about them a little bit at the end of the episodes, like like we did here, uh, just because I want to get you, especially next episode. I want to see what you guys think of the Oroville. Um. All right, well, I think we can call this an episode, but before we go, let's play that little game of where we can find you on the internet. Richard, where can we find you, sir? Uh, as usual, right here. Excellent. And Curtis, where can we find you? I'm cruising around Facebook. I comment on uh, some of the posts that the uh, Trek 1701 podcast group puts up. You can come and argue with me there. You can tell me my takes are bad or my opinions are wrong. That's fine. I love talking to people. Excellent. And I am trying to find more uh, Terry O'Quinn stuff. Um, because, or, or Lost adjacent. Uh, Anything with a Lost actor, I'll, I'll catch it. Don't you worry, buddy. Yeah. Excellent. <laughs> um, you can catch uh, my blog at randomnerdist.blogspot.com. I've been blogging a lot about uh, the Edmonton Oilers in the, in the playoffs. And and I you know throw a few you know a few other things out there, um, and you know I've been recording uh, uh, Geek Fallout, so listen to that every two weeks, and we have an episode of the Pop Culture Pub coming out uh, in a few weeks, uh, where we are going to get to know our podcasters a little bit more. It's going to be a get to know you episode, uh, so be on the lookout for that. And Ragnar, where can we find you, sir? Well, uh, I'm active on uh, both Facebook and Instagram as Ragnar the Trader. Or, of course, you can go to my website, RagnarTheTrader.com. And later this month, I'll be near where Chris lives at the North Country Fair. 
unfortunately, apparently they don't really do day passes. It's kind of you come yeah. for the whole thing or not at all. Yeah. But uh, anyways, it'll still be tons of fun. I haven't been to a hippie music festival since 2019, so I'm quite excited. And uh, then in July, I starting mid-July, I have a run of six shows in a row going all over Western Canada. So, uh, yeah, maybe you'll be lucky enough to come see me at a show. Excellent. Yeah, I wanted to come see Ragnar at the North Country Fair. I actually reached out to the, the event organizers and asked them how much a day ticket was because I, all I've seen was, like, the weekend passes where, you know, includes camping and stuff, and I wasn't planning on camping. Um, but to get a day pass, it's only, like, $25 cheaper than camping. So it's, to mm. you know, so basically it was going to cost me just about $300 for me and my son to go for the oh, day. Oh, that's way too much yeah, and I was yeah. like, no. And it's funny because I never even thought about the cost of it uh, because back in the 90s, uh, a lot of my friends used to go to North Country Fair. I never went, um, but a lot of my friends used to go, and I know they didn't pay to get in, so I never even thought of it. But I guess, you know, it's 20-some, 30-some years later. You know, times change. And uh, I, I, and I'm told it's, yeah. a, it's an awesome uh, fair to go to. Oh, it's, like, it's, awesome it's awesome, man. Yeah. It's a fun one to go and camp at and everything. Yeah. But uh, unless it was really cheap to just come for a day, I don't know that I would. Yeah. No, I'll, ne- next time uh, you're in Edmonton, uh, yeah, we all of us have to get together and, and uh, do another uh, yeah. Chinese food uh, meetup or something. Because that was a lot of yeah, fun maybe last without, year. Maybe without the hernia this time. And the smoke. Oh, low, low. <laughs> Well, yeah, like because last right. last year we got smoked out by all the fires, so hopefully fingers crossed. Oh, that was crazy. Yeah, like yeah, when you couldn't even see the skyscrapers in Edmonton because of the smoke, you know it's smoky. Oh, um, that was nuts. All right, well, thank you all, gentlemen. It was great talking to you once again, and I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to us at the Truck One Seven One Podcast talk about Enterprise Season Four Point Five. And we will see you again in the summertime.